0: Everybody, Welcome into the Locked On Nittany Lines Podcast for Monday, January 6th, 2019. No, it's 2020. Happy New Year. Yes, this is the Locked On Nittany Lines Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kevin McGuire, and I'm the host here of this daily Penn State football podcast. And we do have a lot of stuff to get into today, our first episode of the new year. We've got some Penn State staffing changes. We've got some more NFL decisions being made. And a former Penn State assistant has entered back onto the job market. We'll talk a little bit about that and we'll take a look at the Big Ten's bowl results, the ups, the downs, Ended on a down note for the Big Ten, but Penn State did their part to hold the banner, waving as proud as they possibly could. And of course, if you have any questions on our podcast, you can always submit them to us on Twitter. We'll try to include some in the podcast. None today, but we'll hopefully have some more for you as the week unfolds. To send in your questions, follow us on Twitter at Nittany, and take a look at our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Nittany brand new year, so some new stuff is going to be happening with the social media game, so be on alert for that. And of course, we want to make sure you never miss a single episode, so make sure you're subscribed in the new year on your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Whatever you use to listen to us, please leave a rating, leave a review in the new year, help us get this new year started on the right foot. It's the off-season, but we still have a lot of content coming your way right here on the podcast as we get back into our regular routine with these more regular daily updated shows for you guys. So, without any further ado, we've got a lot to get into in today's episode, so let's go ahead and get it started. We'll begin today's episode with a couple thoughts real quick on the latest addition to the Penn State football coaching staff that was made the other day. Penn State has officially named Phil Troutwin the offensive line coach effective Friday. He comes to the Nittany Lions from Boston College where he was a part of Steve Adazio's uh, coaching staff up there at Boston College. Uh, Steve Adazio of course has been removed as Boston College's head coach and he has already found a new job out with Colorado State. So obviously with a head coaching change you're going to lose a lot of assistants and a a lot of assistants are going to be on the market for new jobs and as much as we focus on the head coaching carousel this time of year it's the assistant coaching carousel that is really busy because there's so many extra positions and these tend to change more regularly whether the head coach moves on or stays put uh, regardless and you know, Penn State has certainly been accustomed to that trend as well uh, around college football and it was uh, there were some good quality assistance to be had off of that Boston College staff say what you will you know Boston College has not necessarily been one of the top ACC programs by any stretch of the imagination but there are a couple things that they have done generally well You know, some years they've actually played some pretty decent defense not this year, but certainly offensively when it comes to Boston College, it's all about running the football and you can't run the football if you don't have an offensive line. So Boston College has tended to do pretty well in that department. So I think if you're looking for any kind of uh, reason to be optimistic about this, it's the fact that uh, Troutwin's going to be coming from a program where he has developed some all ACC offensive linemen. And obviously the Level of competition in the ACC may not be quite what it is in the Big Ten, but bottom line is he's been developing and been coaching some really good offensive linemen coming out of that Boston College program that have really opened things up for one of the top running backs in the ACC and maybe even the country in A.J. Dillon who did not play in their bowl game. but uh, So I don't really see too many downsides to bringing in Troutwin as the new offensive line coach uh, on this Penn State coaching staff. And you know, I think offensive line has always been something that has, uh, has generally improved as the season has come along. And you know, I don't think they played too poorly in the Cotton Bowl uh, against uh, Memphis. Uh, it's almost kind of weird that you have all these coaching staff changes to address the offense moving forward and make sure the offense is going to be in good hands. And they coming off a Cotton Bowl victory against a very good offensive team. And they scored 50-something points <laughs> in the game. So, uh, you know, don't get too carried away with the results in a bowl game. But obviously, uh, the offensive unit as a... Uh, as a team going forward, I still think has a lot of potential for the upcoming season. And it always comes down to what you do on the offensive line. And I think that Penn State's offensive line depth has certainly improved over the years. And I think, you know, going back to that Bill O'Brien era, there wasn't a whole lot he could do with the offensive line as far as recruiting was concerned. And I think we can all understand why. Uh, So that is an area where James Franklin and his staff have been working to improve moving forward. Elsewhere in the coaching carousel that's been going on, former Penn State offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead was released as head coach of Mississippi State over the weekend. So, that was a little bit of a shocking development, at least for me, uh, because I really did feel as though Joe Moorhead was going to stick around, uh, despite some rumblings that maybe Mississippi State would move on. And I think uh, the Ole Miss hiring Lane Kiffin, it really applied some pressure on Mississippi State. But all Joe Moorhead did was take a Mississippi State program to bowl games back to back years. And obviously things didn't quite work out in the two years that Joe Moorhead was the head coach with Mississippi State. But I think a lot of that was kind of uh, some pressure to keep up with the Joe is in a very difficult division with Alabama and LSU and Auburn. And of course, uh, Ole Miss, uh, taking some of the, the spotlight with the link Hiffen hire, certainly kind of put some pressure on Mississippi state. And, I don't know if that's the right decision or not. I'm not saying that Joe Moorhead should have stuck around in Mississippi State, but it just seems kind of weird to fire a coach that has won games (laughs) the last couple of years uh, after just two seasons uh, compared to, say, Florida State moving on from Willie Taggart after two years. So I'm a little surprised that Joe Moorhead has been let go Uh, from Mississippi State. No, he's obviously not going to be coming back to Penn State as the offensive coordinator because, of course, Penn State has already hired Kirk Chiraca from Minnesota to be that new offensive coordinator. And I do kind of wonder if maybe Mississippi State had made their coaching change earlier uh, in the Penn State search for an offensive coordinator. I do wonder if Joe Moorhead uh, could have potentially been interested in a reunion back in State College. I think it would be a pretty fun combination, but obviously Penn State has already moved on. So I'd be very curious to see where Joe Moorhead goes. I would be curious to see if maybe Greg Schiano reaches out to him and maybe fills the staff there. I forget where Rutgers is officially on filling out their coaching staff for Greg Schiano, so they may already have an offensive coordinator. I don't know off the top of my head as I'm recording this. I should check that out before I brought that up. But I do think that Joe Moorhead's going to be employed somewhere. Uh, coaches are always looking for offensive coordinators. I think he can certainly run an offense. Uh, we've seen that at Penn State. And I think that his history has shown that he's got a good offensive mind. So he's going to be a good addition for some coaching staff somewhere. And obviously, we'll be paying close attention to see where it is. Could it be at Boston College Uh, (laughs) with uh, the new program going in a new direction uh, with the Eagles? I I don't know. I I do think that, obviously, him being a head coach at Fordham in the past before going on to Penn State, I'd be very curious, and I always thought that he would be a good head coaching candidate for Boston College. It turns out that Mississippi State making their coaching change a little bit late, maybe that left out that possibility for Boston College. But either way, Joe Moorhead's on the market. I'd be very curious to see where he's going to go. There's absolutely no chance he's going to be coming back to Penn State, though. So it would be pretty interesting to see where he goes, and we'll wish him all the best of luck moving forward. So the big 10 bowl season is now officially in the books. As we're recording this episode, there's still two more games in the bowl season to be played. One of them will be played on the day that this podcast is made available to you guys on Monday, January 6th with the lending tree bowl between Miami, Ohio and Louisiana, uh, Just a side note, I do like Louisiana in that game. I think Louisiana has no problem with Miami, Ohio. Uh, They are a 14-point favorite, and I'm going to go with them to cover that one. And of course, a week from now, we've got our national championship game between the Clemson Tigers, who defeated the Big Ten champion, Ohio State Buckeyes, in the college football playoff semifinal out in the Fiesta Bowl, and they will take on the SEC champion number one ranked. LSU Tigers, Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner, going up against Trevor Lawrence and the defending national champions. I think it is a fantastic matchup, and we will talk a little bit more about that as the week progresses. But of course, you want to know my thoughts on the Big Ten's week uh, or the bowl season that was. And I got to say, not very impressive, not very impressive at all. And it certainly didn't end on a great note. Aside from Penn State winning the Cotton Bowl, Penn State was the only team in the Big Ten to win a New Year's Six Bowl game this year. Big Ten losing their two other bowl games with Wisconsin going down against Oregon in the Rose Bowl. And of course, as I mentioned, Ohio State losing in the playoff in the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. And I still say you'd rather be in that Fiesta Bowl losing a college football playoff semifinal game than playing in the Rose Bowl or playing in the Cotton Bowl. But uh, of course, uh, when you look back on this and you look at the Big Ten's record in the, the bowl season. There's going to be a little bit of something to be desired. Big Ten finishes with a four and five record, uh, both sitting below 500 this year. And I got to say, their matchups against the other power conferences not all that great. The Big Ten split their two games with the ACC. Of course, uh, the playoff semifinal with Ohio State losing to Clemson, but Michigan State did beat Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl to help get the Big Ten off on a winning note in the bowl season uh still uh going one-on-one against the acc i guess you take it i mean the one loss was a good hard-fought loss to the defending national champions who have now won 29 straight games uh just one of the best teams in college football in the playoff era at this point in time so i don't think there's a whole lot of shame in that ohio state loss and that's certainly not a loss that i think gives the big 10 a black eye hey they scored points in the playoff and that's a step forward from where they've been the last couple of years uh penn state of course was a one and zero against the american athletic conference only Game between the Big Ten and the AAC. And of course, you know, Penn State won that game against Memphis, 53-39. to 39. A lot of fun with the offense in that game. Not so much the defense, but still, hey, a win in the Cotton Bowl. You take that one and you run with it. You hang that banner. You hang that uh, banner next to your Fiesta Bowl championship banner from a couple years ago. And again, Penn State, uh, we've talked about this before. Penn State's in a really good spot, I think, as a program, uh, considering some of their big wins in these big bowl games the last couple of years. And yeah, it's a win against the AAC. It's a group of five conference, but you know what? That Memphis team, still a really darn good team. I've said that before. I'm going to continue saying that. I will defend uh, celebrating a victory in the Cotton Bowl to anyone who defies me. And because I think that that is a well-deserved honor to have uh, won the Cotton Bowl against a very good Memphis team, a Memphis program that could beat a lot of teams out there and probably a handful of teams within the Big Ten. There's no question about that. So going 1-0 against the American, hey, it's better than going 0-1 against the American, right? Against the Pac-12? Mixed results. Uh, Big Ten got off to a great start with Iowa just demolishing USC out in the Holiday Bowl. That was the first uh, Big Ten Pac-12 matchup this bowl season. Unfortunately for the Big Ten, they end 0-2 against the West Coast Conference. Not the West Coast Conference, but the Western Coast Conference from the Pacific. Yeah, the Pac-12. Anyway, uh, they lose uh, with Illinois going down to California. A little bit more high scoring than I anticipated. Uh, Cal winning 35 to 20 uh, in out in the Red Box Bowl again. I'm not going to be too disappointed in Illinois. I think just getting to the bowl season was a tremendous accomplishment for Lovey Smith and that program just to be able to finish the season the way that they actually did, I think it's very encouraging for where that Illinois program could potentially be heading in 2020. And again, I'm not one who gets carried away with what happens in a bowl game and how that's going to translate into next season. I don't think losing this game by 15 to, to a Cal team that really couldn't score points this season, uh, it, was, it was a little surprising that they scored 35 points, but I do think that uh, Lovey Smith uh, finally had a good season to hang his hat on. Uh, so so I don't think there's really any shame in Illinois ending their season with a loss. Hey, you got to a bowl game, you got out West, you play a team for the Pac-12. It's way better than the alternative of sitting at home and watching another Big Ten team take on a team for the Pac-12. But a little bit of a disappointment for Illinois to end the season the way that it did in the Redbox Bowl. And of course, the spotlight game against the Pac-12 was the Rose Bowl, as it typically is on an annual basis. And Wisconsin, hey, they fought hard against Oregon. But too many turnovers, too many turnovers really kept Oregon in the game and allowed the Ducks to get that win in the fourth quarter. I know there's probably a lot of Penn State fans who may be listening to this celebrating the fact that Oregon beat Wisconsin because they still feel like Penn State should have been in the Rose Bowl in the first place. But I'll say again, I think Wisconsin had every bit a strong case to be made to be included in the Rose Bowl ahead of Penn State. I think the, the quality wins certainly matched up evenly and maybe even slightly favored Wisconsin. And of course, they got a win against Minnesota and they played for the Big Ten Championship. And they actually played pretty well against Ohio State before Ohio State decided to, uh, take care of that game the Big Ten title game but I will have no gripes about Wisconsin going after the Rose Bowl and they certainly put on a good show it was a fun game it really was it just went uh, Oregon's way and I think Wisconsin gave that game to them so it's a, it's a disappointing way for Wisconsin to end their year with the Rose Bowl and of course that was Jonathan Taylor's final game and that's another thing that we've been seeing the last couple weeks or the last couple days really a lot of Big time Big Ten players are moving on to the NFL, like Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, and uh, who was the other guy from uh, Ohio State? Oh, Chase Young. Yeah, they're all going to the NFL. Not too surprising on all those fronts, but uh, as far that's another topic for another day. But obviously, yeah, going one and two in the against the Pac-12 this bowl season, not a great look for the Big Ten. That's something that they would definitely like to have reversed the other way. But of course, going one and two against the SEC. Just putting a little bit of salt on the wounds of this bowl season. And first of all, the SEC has had a fantastic bowl season. They are what? Let me look up their record real quick. They're seven and two in bowl games this year. Their only losses where uh, Mississippi State, who we mentioned earlier with Joe Moorhead, losing 38-28 to to Louisville in the Music City Bowl. And uh, Minnesota, which I should actually get to right now, Minnesota handing Auburn a 31-24 loss in the Outback Bowl. And you know what? That P.J. Fleck team, they are just so fun to watch. And they had all the confidence in the world. And they used their big-time playmakers to make some plays against a good Auburn team. And I got to say, I was a little dismissive of Minnesota at times this season, right up until they beat Penn State. But I do say that they are going to be a team to keep an eye on in that Big Ten West division in 2020. I don't think it's really a stretch to say that at this point. That's a good team that P.J. Fleck has going on there. He has built something. I don't know how long that success lasts. I don't know if P.J. Fleck stays at Minnesota long enough to see it through to getting to those next levels, but I do think that this Minnesota team is going to be another fun team to watch in 2020. They're certainly going to be a contender in that division, which is still going to be kind of up for grabs. You know, you know, Wisconsin's going to be competitive. You know, Iowa is going to be in the mix, but I think Minnesota is certainly in the mix going into next season. And I don't think they're going to be taking anybody by surprise either. So that was a good win against Auburn uh, getting a win against an Auburn team that I think it was Auburn that smacked around Purdue last year. So kind of getting a chance to hand them a loss this year. That's, that's good for the big 10 to see Minnesota go out and do that. Of course, um, it wasn't so good for the Big Ten elsewhere against the SEC. Michigan had a lead in the Citrus Bowl against Alabama, uh, 16 to 14, I think it was at halftime, and then Alabama comes out and blanks them 21 nothing after halftime to get the Citrus Bowl victory, a 35 to 16 loss. Uh, that will just add on to that John, uh, not, sorry, that Jim Harbaugh narrative moving forward. We all know that story, uh, but Jim Harbaugh is not going anywhere. Michigan is still a team that you got to reckon with. So Michigan is still going to be a team that's going to be a problem next year and obviously uh, nico collins i think just said that he was going to be coming back uh next year for the wolverine so that's a good return for michigan moving into next year they do lose every member of their starting offensive line though because uh, they just had their center announce uh, announced that he's going to be going off to the nfl and they've got a couple guys graduating so michigan's going to be a team to watch of course as they are every year especially under jim harbaugh But uh, that was a tough way for Michigan to lose this season. And of course, doing so against Nick Saban in Alabama, you know, Paul Feinbaum going to have a week of content on that one uh, this week, if he has not already. And then the final game of the bowl season for the Big Ten was Indiana against Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. This one was on Thursday night and Indiana just gave this game away. They had a 19 to nine lead going into the fourth quarter. I think they were actually up 22 to uh to uh nine before in tennessee just roars back in the final minutes of the game the final five minutes final half of the fourth quarter and just stuns indiana they just kind of overtook indiana i don't know if indiana just started celebrating the win or thinking that they had this game uh under wraps but no <laughs> not against tennessee that tennessee team has has had their ups and downs but they certainly played better in the second half of the season And I really thought Indiana was going to do it. I was already out there tweeting that Indiana was going to have their nine-win season. Hashtag nine-win Indiana. And I was already saying they were going to have as many wins this year as Michigan. And you know that they're going to use that as a recruiting tool. But you know what? Sometimes you shouldn't tweet things before a game is over. And I've learned that lesson before. And I know a number of other people have. And I think Indiana... And Wisconsin, they all gave us reasons to reject or regret having some of those tweets put out there uh, well before a game is over. So Indiana loses their first bowl game in uh, the Tom Allen era, and they have not won a bowl game since before Penn State was in the Big Ten. It's been a long time coming. I think it was 1991 when I did the research that Indiana won their last bowl game, and that was the Copper Bowl against Baylor. So Big Ten, four and five, a little bit of a down bowl season, but overall, not too shabby of a season overall. I know a lot of uh, overreactions to what happens in the bowl season. But this was a good year for the Big Ten. They had, obviously, Ohio State make the playoff. You know, Penn State had a really good year. Minnesota had a really good year. Wisconsin had a really good year. Iowa had double-digit wins. Minnesota, like I said, was a, a real good story all season long. Indiana getting to eight wins and a bowl game. Illinois got to a bowl game. Uh, this was a, a good year overall for the Big Ten. You know, there weren't They weren't all great headlines and they were they weren't all great seasons uh, throughout the conference of course and there's obviously going to be some coaching chains that, that continue to go on with the assisting coaches putting uh, assembled throughout the conference but you know i think uh going into 2020 things are gonna be pretty interesting in the big 10 and penn state's sitting in a really good position moving into that next year Well, if you're like me, you probably watched a little bit of the NFL playoffs this weekend as the NFL playoffs got underway with a quest for the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So I'm recording this episode after the Eagles just lost to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so my team begins the offseason preparation mode uh, going into the 2020 season. Uh, you know, Real quick, Carson Wentz finally stays healthy for a full season while everybody else gets injured. And he can't even get out of the first quarter because he goes out with a head injury. Ah, man, that was that was tough to see as an Eagles fan, but this is a Penn State podcast. And of course, since I'm talking about the Eagles, let me mention once again that Miles Sanders had a fantastic rookie season in the Philadelphia Midnight Green. And he's up for the Rookie of the Year honors. And uh, I don't know what other rookies are out there. I don't follow the NFL as closely as some other people may. So I don't know what other rookies had fantastic breakout seasons this year in 2020, but I know for a fact Miles Sanders had a dynamic season in the Eagles offense, and certainly he got better as the season went along, and I think he became more of a featured player in that offense, and I don't know how much weight that carries in the whole Rookie of the Year discussion, uh, but I do feel as though he is in pretty good conversation for some Rookie of the Year honors. At least I think he should be. Again, I, that's without really knowing what other rookies are out there. I don't pay attention to the NFL, so excuse me. But I do know Miles Sanders, fantastic rookie season, and I think he's going to be a really fun player for the Eagles in the coming years. He's a really good running back, and he's already be getting a lot of national respect from out there. So that's a good sign for, I think, Penn State as a program because, you know, you've got Saquon Barkley off doing his thing. and we, Everybody knows what he's capable of doing. Miles Sanders following in that footstep. All of a sudden, you've got two really good running backs, uh, really good run, young running backs at the NFL level that are becoming feature players on the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think that's a really good recruiting tool. And of course, we've already talked about the stable of running backs that Penn State has right now. So this is a pretty good uh, spot for James Franklin and his running back coach and his coaching staff and his offensive coaches to be in when it comes time to recruiting running backs because they can say, hey, we sent Saquon Barkley off. He's doing his thing at the with the New York Giants. We've got Miles Sanders who had a fantastic rookie year. If Miles Sanders happens to win rookie of the year, you've got Barkley and Miles Sanders back-to-back years as rookie of the years. That would be pretty cool. But of course, let focus on this segment is going to be the Penn State players that are still alive in the NFL postseason going for the Super Bowl. And before I even mention that, I should mention that a former Penn State head coach is still coaching right now with Bill O'Brien coaching the Houston Texans to an overtime victory after being down 16-0 against the Buffalo Bills at home in the AFC wildcard game. Bill O'Brien and the Texans are moving on to the next round of the NFL playoffs. No Penn State players on that Houston Texans roster though, but there are 13 players that started the NFL playoffs having worn a Penn State uniform in the past. And here's the full list. uh, And I'll let you know which players are in, which players are out right now. And we're going to go through this in order as Penn State relay the information, beginning with defensive tackle Kevin Givens, kicker Robbie Gold, and defensive end Anthony Zettel. They're all at the San Francisco 49ers, your number one seed in the NFC playoffs. They were off this weekend and they're going to host the Minnesota Vikings next weekend. Offensive lineman Ryan Bates of the Buffalo Bills. His season is done because, as I mentioned, the Bills blew a 16-0 lead against Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. Safety Jordan Lucas and offensive lineman Stefan Wisniewski of the Kansas City Chiefs. They were off this past weekend. They will be ready to take on the uh, the number two seed of the NAFC playoffs next week after their bye week. So it's good to see. Stefan Wisniewski, of course, was a member of the Eagles a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Defensive end and Sharif Miller and, of course, uh, running back Miles Sanders. Uh, The Eagles, their season is complete, although Miles Sanders had a fantastic season. I'm just going to say that again. Very proud of the effort that he showed in the Eagles uniform this year. Moving on, Adrian Amos of the Green Bay Packers. They'll be hosting their game next weekend after having the off weekend. You know, I got a chance to watch one of the Packers' last games of the season, and Amos was making some good plays. (laughs) I think it was against the Detroit Lions I saw him making some plays. Uh, Or maybe it was the Vikings. I don't remember which team they played. But uh, Adrian Amos, uh, safety for the Green Bay Packers. He'll be in action next weekend. Uh, Defensive tackle, Austin Johnson. And defensive end, Daquan Jones of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, They will live on. They're seeing another game after taking down uh, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots over the weekend. And, of course, you've got Trace McSorley on the roster with the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, he's not going to play unless... Uh, the Ravens are either comfortably ahead or maybe an injury happens. And unfortunately, if that's the case, that's not good news for the Baltimore Ravens because they just so happen to have one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now in former Louisville quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has been so fun to watch. I remember watching him during his time at Louisville. I'm so, It's so fun to watch him play and do his thing now with the Baltimore Ravens since they moved on from Joe Flacco. And if you don't think the Lamar Jackson is the mvp this year i don't know what you're smoking first of all (laughs) but i think but i think every under everybody understands he's the backup quarterback and he's not going to be unseating lamar jackson anytime soon but i did get a text from my dad during the last weekend of the regular season i think trace mcsorley had a carry or something for maybe for a first down i don't remember the exact situation but i know he got in the nfl game for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, And uh, my dad texted me and let me know that Trace McSorley uh, ran the football and I think picked up a first down. And then he also reminded me that that's way further than Christian Hackenberg ever got. My dad's the biggest uh, Christian Hackenberg hater that could possibly be. And he makes sure to let me know that uh, he knew that Christian Hackenberg was going to be a bust all these years ago. Um, I'm not going to dispute that. I always said that he was, Hackenberg was going to be drafted. He was. I was satisfied with uh, being right on that one. Uh, he was convinced that Hackenberg would not be drafted at all. I was right on that one. I did. I do think that uh, the Christian Hackenberg thing is a f- fun little what-if situation we can get into in a future episode of this podcast. Because I do have some thoughts about that. But hey, bottom line is... Jason McSorley has a chance to get a Super Bowl ring in his rookie season. And I think if you're a rookie and you get a chance to be a part of a Super Bowl winning team, you got to cherish that because you never know if it's going to happen again. Obviously, uh, you know, this sport of football can be brutal. It can have a change uh, coming your way at any given moment. And I think the way that the season has been going for the Baltimore Ravens, I'm certainly not betting against them (laughs) the way that they've been playing. And again, Lamar Jackson, no offense To Trace McSorley, but he's not going to be unseating Lamar Jackson anytime soon. Lamar Jackson's a real deal. Uh, I think some people are realizing that uh, finally for the first time if they have not already. So, anyway, the NFL playoffs will continue. We'll keep an eye on some of the Penn State players that are still out there uh, competing for that Super Bowl ring at the end of this season. Uh, Of course, uh, some of them have already been eliminated. They're getting ready for the next season already, uh, including some players that didn't even make the playoffs. But uh, Penn State still has a lot of good NFL talent out there. Uh, competing on the highest level that there is. And of course, uh, that's always uh, something to be proud of. I think if you're part of that Penn State program, and I know a lot of people that follow Penn State football, really, maybe they don't follow the NFL, but they want to see these former Nittany Lions do well. And they're seeing some good things out of these Penn State players these last few years. There's no question about that. But well, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. As we get started with the new year, I do have some topics that I did not get to in today's episode, so we'll put that on the back burner. We'll put that in tomorrow's episode. Uh, I've got a couple quick thoughts on Penn State basketball playing a game in Philadelphia over the weekend. Uh, I think that that's something that's pretty cool scheduling idea. I want to see some more out of that from Penn State in the future, and I think we're going to get that if we haven't already. Uh, so I'll kind of touch on, base on that a little bit. And yeah, Penn State basketball, top 25 program. Who would have thunk it, right? Uh, they got a very good. A chance to get into the tournament. I don't see them not getting into the tournament at this point. Uh, but again, I'm no basketball expert. Maybe at some point we'll bring in a basketball expert to kind of educate me about this Penn State basketball team a little bit. But yeah, things are looking pretty good uh, for Penn State basketball, getting a lot of respect. And I'm seeing some really good things out of Pat Chambers from some of the national basketball scribes out there. So uh, Penn State basketball is on the map, folks. And in a year where it doesn't seem like anybody's really see- looking to seize control of the college basketball world, um, hey, who knows? We'll see how far Penn State can go. But that's something we'll talk about much further down the line. But I do have some thoughts about them. Playing in Philadelphia and it brought a couple ideas up in my head that we'll discuss in tomorrow's episode again lots of stuff to get into on the podcast throughout the week as we get back onto our regular schedule here go back to our regular grind we'll try to get these episodes out for you on a daily basis now for the foreseeable future Uh, again there might be some modifications to the schedule at some point in time we'll let you know about it though so make sure you're staying connected with us on all the social media platforms uh you can follow us on twitter at locked on nittany check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash locked on nittany and of course make sure you're subscribed to this episode and this podcast and all your favorite podcasting apps such as itunes google play spotify stitcher radio and whatever you use to listen to podcasts we got an rss feed so subscribe rate and review and until next time everybody I'm Kevin McGuire. Give me a follow on Twitter at CFB Check out my national coverage at AthlonSports.com and college football talk on NBCSports.com. And if you have any questions for our mailbag in tomorrow's episode, send them in on Twitter right now. I want to get your questions. We're going to do some mailbag. We're going to address your questions from the 2019 season. Anything you've got in your head for the 2020 offseason, going into the 2020 season, fire away. We've got lots of time to address all of your questions. So make sure you send us your questions at any time on our Twitter account at LockedOnNinny. And again, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a great Monday. Let's get your week started off to you on the right foot. Maybe it's your first week back at work in the new year. If so, good luck to you. <laughs> we'll be here for you all day long. And of course, the rest of the week as well. So thanks for listening. Go out there, go 1-0 today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.